You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at winsboro.church. Hey everyone, KT here. Um, This week in the sermon, I talked a little bit about confession, and I have to confess to you that I forgot to unmute my microphone before I got up there to preach. So I've debated and debated with myself on whether to upload this, but I decided I will upload it. So if you hear the audio going real loud and then real soft all of a sudden, just know this was all recorded on the communion table microphone, and I walked back and forth on the stage. So you may hear some coughing and things like that that you wouldn't normally hear. Um, I totally understand if you don't actually listen to all this, and therefore vulnerable before each other. It's with that that this morning I want us to take a look at another aspect of being the Church of Christ, and that is that we are to be vulnerable before Christ. Every man in here just got a little nervous. (laughs) Vulnerable before Christ. This word vulnerable is not one that we like. In our society especially, we've come to think of the word vulnerable in a very negative way. We think it means danger. We might get hurt. And I think it's obvious why that is. I mean, I think of stories like that of Lieutenant Colonel George Custer in his final battle. George Custer, in the time whenever Native Americans were still on these lands and everything, and people were coming over, he's fighting against them to try to stop all the war. And he goes, and him and his group of about 600 men are going around, and they're looking for all these Native Americans, and they're going to attack them. And he sends some guys out on a search party and they say, hey, Custer, we got them. And they said, there's like 11,000 of them, dude. And Custer says, ah, you're probably lying. There's probably not that many, right? And so Custer takes his 600 men and he divides them up into four groups and he sends them out. He says, we're going to attack. And he gets going and all these other guys on the Indian side, there are 11,000 of them. They say, hey, there's like little groups of people coming. What do you want us to do? And Crazy Horse is there, and he grabs this large group, and they send them all out in groups. And there's literally thousands of of Native Americans coming to attack all of Custer's groups of men. And he comes, and they're literally, talk about vulnerability. you got about 250 guys going up, about 3,000 of them, right? Doesn't get much more vulnerable than that. And if you know your history probably better than I do, you know that that story doesn't end well for Custer or his men. Most of them, with the exception of a small few, die that day. And you can say it's all because Custer was willing to make his men vulnerable. He was willing to go into a place where he was vulnerable and therefore he paid the price. And in a lot of ways we are taught whether it's through actual being taught and told these things or whether we see it ourselves, we're taught that being vulnerable never leads to anything good. Makes sense. Physically speaking, for sure, if you're vulnerable, especially in a situation of war, you're probably going to end up hurt or dead. Financially speaking, if you leave yourself vulnerable, you're going to pay the price. Socially speaking, if you are vulnerable before others, if you just share everything that there is about you, then everybody else has something on you and they're going to use it against you. It makes sense because literally the word means you're susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. 
And therefore, no one likes to be vulnerable. Let's turn to John chapter 3, if you have a Bible. John chapter 3. This view of vulnerability is not something new. John speaks of it in terms of darkness and light. Specifically here in John chapter 3, starting in verse 19, it says this, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. John says it plainly. Nobody wants to come to the light. Nobody. To which you say, well, hey, KT, my man. It doesn't say nobody. It says that the wicked don't come to the light. To which I remind us, none are righteous, no, not one. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3. Who are the wicked? It's me. It's you. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people have loved the darkness rather than the light. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want everybody to know everything about us. And yet, I believe being vulnerable is one of the key elements to a true relationship with someone. If you are not vulnerable with others in your relationships, then your relationships are only ever going to be skin deep or shallow. Because we've bought this lie that in order for there to be love in a relationship, there cannot be judgment. We say, in order for me to love someone else, I can't judge them. In order for anyone else to ever love me, they can't judge me. And so what do we do with all of the things we've ever done? We hide them away. We put them under lock and key and we make sure that nobody ever sees that part of us. We go before everyone and we say, this is me. This is the real me. Looking good, right? Should have wore a tie this morning. And we go before people and we don't want them to ever know that we have shortcomings, that we have failures, that we have weaknesses in this life. And I'm here to tell you that if you do not have somebody in your life right now that knows your shortcomings, knows your failures, knows your weaknesses, then I'm here to tell you, you are one of the most lonely people in this world. I say that with the most love possible. If you do not have somebody who knows the real you, who knows everything about you, you're lonely. But if you do have somebody who knows that, if you do have somebody who knows the real you, who knows your shortcomings, knows your weaknesses, and knows your failures, and I'm here to tell you that is the closest thing to a pure relationship you can get. When life hits hard, when things come up, I guarantee you those are the people you call. 
those are the people you turn to because they're not going to mess with you and just say, oh, you're good, right? Those are the people who know the real you, who say you've been down this path before, don't do it again. Who pull you up out of the pit because they know where you've been and they know what you've been going through. This morning, I'm here to tell you that God is calling you to a relationship like that. God is offering you a relationship where he knows everything about you and he's calling you to get to know him too. All of your shortcomings, all of your failures, all of your weaknesses. As Christians, if you're a Christian here this morning, that means you've started this relationship. At one point in time, you chose to step into the light and be vulnerable. At least once. You step out and you say, I know that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins. I want to turn from that life and I want to follow after you, Jesus. And you get baptized into, into Christ and have forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you start walking in the light. But then something happens. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. At one point in time, we were walking in the light and we are trying to follow after Christ and we're vulnerable before Him at least once. Let's see what Paul says here. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time... You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Take, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want us to look at verse 13 and 14 one more time, because I'll be honest with you. I've kind of laid out at least the topics that I'm discussing and, and preaching on over the next few weeks and everything. But, but each week as I sit down and really start to hash out exactly what I'm going to say, this is one that up until even yesterday I've been wrestling with. Because it's so profound to me. Verse 13, Paul says, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Check. Makes sense, right? You know, I, I read this verse and I think about whenever I was about 12 years old. I would go to my friend Josh's house all the time. And we loved to play hide and seek in the dark. And the only rule that we had was you can't go outside, so you got to stay in the house. And the biggest rule we had was no turning on the light. I kind of had a habit of turning on the light. Because <laughs> I'd walk around and I'd be feeling my way through and, and I'd stumble and I'd hit something and I was always worried I'd break a lamp and have to pay for it, you know. So I would walk into a room and I, you know, I'd just bump the light and they'd freak out and say, hey! I'd say, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> right? But after I turned on the light... The reason they got so mad was because I could see them then. I could see where everything was. I could see the good. I could see the bad. So we understand Paul. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Check. 
It makes sense. Look at verse 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. What? Anything that becomes visible is light. I want us to consider exactly what that means. You may have noticed my friend over here. I call him Cy. It's short for silhouette. But Cy <laughs> here, Cy here has been a Christian for a while. He's a pretty good dude. He goes to church. He tries to help out anywhere he can, serve wherever and whenever he can. He's a pretty good guy. Cy here read Ephesians 5. At least up until verse 11 when it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, expose them. Because that's important. It is. So Cy here, he took that to heart and he got out into the world and boy did he see some darkness. He said, my goodness, look at it. So Cy starts talking to everybody he can. As a good Christian, he goes and he attempts to expose the darkness that is around him. Unfortunately, every time it seems that he's met with anger or disdain. Because remember, people don't like being vulnerable. So Sai, unfortunately, he gets discouraged and he stops. He stops trying to expose the darkness because at every turn, people get angry with him. And then he, in turn, has become angry with them. He becomes bitter about those people to the point where he becomes against those people. That is, until a friend came along and talked to Sai and he said, hey, Sai. I know you're telling me how discouraged you were about trying to talk with others about the darkness in their lives and trying to expose them and bring them to the light. But let me show you what verse 13 and 14 says of Ephesians 5. But when anything is exposed by the light, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. I think that Sai, like some of us, like even me included, got to a point where he was trying to call out darkness from a place of darkness. He was trying to call out the darkness that he saw around him, yet he was still in that darkness himself. He's still a Christian. But he had taken all the things that have happened in his life and he's put them in a box to where that nobody could ever find them. Because here's the incredible thing. When we come to Christ, He forgives us of our past sins and our future sins and all that is good. But the sin is still there. It leaves a remnant. It leaves a hole. It leaves a scar on our lives. And we as Christians, we like to take that forgiveness of the sins and we like to have Christ forgive us of all that stuff. But then we take those things in our past and we hide them away so nobody will ever find them. We expose them once, get the healing, okay, we're done, move on. And we go and we continue to live in darkness. That's why Paul says these words. And we get this 
mentality in our head that if we're to walk in the light as Jesus in the light, then that must mean that 24-7 I'm going to be perfect. That must mean that I'm never going to slip up. I'm never going to stumble. I'm never going to say a bad word ever again. I'm not going to lie to my parents. I'm not going to cheat on that test. I'm not going to make fun of somebody. I'm going to be better. But I don't believe that's exactly what he's saying. With the help of Sai, I'd like to give us a different view of what it means to walk in the light and what it really means to expose darkness. I'm going to ask Griffins if y'all would come help me. Austin and Brennan, proud of them. If y'all just stand there for a second. Sai, just like me and just like you, he has this past. He has these things in his life that weigh on him. He doesn't want him to be exposed because then everybody would know the real him. So he still goes to church. He still helps out where he can, but he doesn't do it fully. There's still this darkness in his life. And some of it, I might add, is not by his choice. But a lot of it is. And that's the stuff that he doesn't want anybody to know about. And as a Christian, Sai is called to walk in the light. And I hope to show you what I think that means. Notice anything about my friend Sai? Sai's got some scars. He's got some hurt. Some of it's because of things that others have done. A lot of it's because of things he's done. And it's through those scars, it's through the darkness in his past that we read and we hear that anything that becomes visible his life. So that whenever Sai goes now and he talks to his friends about what it means to follow Jesus, he's not coming from a place that says, I'm better than you because I don't struggle with the same things you struggle with. He doesn't come from a place that says, I'm not going to ever tell you anything about my life, but let me hear all about your dirty secrets. He comes from a place that says, I'm just like you. I'm not perfect. But as Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's through our weaknesses in life that others within the church and without the church will see the light of Christ shining the brightest. Christ didn't come into the world to save those which are righteous, He came to save sinners. That's us. I'm going to turn this off. Thank you, Vernon. David Blair, let me borrow a light, and I think it might cause a fire up here, but (laughs) that would be memorable. To come into the light is really to say that you're coming into the presence of God. I know that's not an easy thing to do. It's one of the hardest things that we will ever actually do because it reveals who we truly are. It reveals all of our mistakes, all of our flaws, all of our weaknesses. There was a Greek philosopher you've probably heard of named Aristotle. 
And he wrote a book called The Politics. And this was hundreds of years before Christ came. And just so you don't think that I'm some incredible scholar, I've never read this book. <laughs> I've heard about it. But in this book, about three-fourths of the way through, uh, he's trying to create this perfect society. Right? So imagine in your head what a perfect society would look like. And he's getting along, and then he comes up with this really weird speculation. He speculates. He says, let's suppose that in this perfect society we're trying to create, that a God in the form of a man comes in to the society. Suppose this man comes, and that he is a God amongst men. We would call that incarnate, God in the flesh, physically walking among us. God becomes man and lives in that, that country, in that society. And he says, what should we do with this man? What should we do with the man who is God amongst men in a society where we're trying to make it perfect? And he says, we would have to exclude him. We'd have to get rid of him. Why? Why is that? He explains, the very moral perfection of their life will reveal all the imperfection around them. So they must be ostracized. They must be cut off. If they try to return, they must be killed because we can't have that. We can't have somebody who is truly perfect coming in because that will reveal all the imperfections that are around them. John 3, verse 16. You've all probably heard it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the darkness, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We come into the light so that everything that we do, even through the pains of our past, it can be clearly seen that God is working in and through us. I believe that it truly, you cannot have love without judgment. So how do you know that you actually love Him? That is what God offers us. Because truly... It wouldn't be just for God to actually just say, I love you, I forgive you, go be happy. Because God is a truly just God. He is fully righteous, He is fully pure, He is fully true. For God to truly show His love and His mercy, I believe that He had to do it through His judgment and His justice. That is what the cross of Christ represents to us. That we come to Him not without judgment that's coming upon us, but instead that Christ takes our place and takes the judgment for us. He 
calls us to be ones that walk in the light as he is in the light. Earlier on in verse 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I believe if we're doing that, we'll have unity. If we do that, if we're willing to be vulnerable first before Christ so that his light can shine through us, all the way through us. And we show that to each other, then I truly believe that the light and the love of God will be seen and recognized by everyone who comes into contact with us. You want to reach lost people. It's not through some incredible program. It's not by getting polished up and showing our best face to them all the time. Christ said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Now here's the thing. I am not asking you this morning to come forward and tell me all your deepest, darkest secrets. Don't get nervous. I will say that if you need prayers this morning, if you need help getting through something that you're going through, that is exactly why we are here. We gather together as God's people to share in our weaknesses and bear one another's burdens. Often a place like this that we call a church becomes a place where we don't feel that we can do that. I want to tell you this morning, me personally, I'm just like Cy. Only I probably got a few more scars in there. There's no judgment here that is not without love. So this morning, if you need prayers, or if you need to put on Christ in baptism, we want to help you with that. If you need to step into the light for the very first time, that's why we are here. We want to help you. But if you're a Christian, if you've been coming to church here for a while now, I want to encourage you with one thing. We do something in this church called life groups. Many of you are a part of them. Many of you see the benefits of them regularly. These are groups that meet together on a regular basis to get together and actually share in the love of Christ. And we work on loving one another better through these relationships. Because, let's be honest, it's hard to come forward in front of hundreds of people. It's a little easier whenever it's a group of 10 or 15. And you're all there sharing in the life that we all live through Christ. So my challenge to you is if you are not a part of one of those life groups, I'm going to ask you one question. Why not? What are you afraid of? We're here for you. We're here to share in the light and the love of Christ so that we can be better Christians, so that we can share the light of Christ out in the world of darkness, not from a place of darkness that hides away and tucks all these things in our past, but we share those things so that the light of Christ can shine through them you need to do any of these things this morning, I want to challenge you to come forward in a moment. Let's be standing. Before we sing this last song, I want to read verse 13 and 14 one more time for us. After this, we'll sing a song. But if you need prayers, if you need to respond to the gospel, or if you need to sign up for a life group, you can do that today. Talk to an elder, sign up online, whatever you need to do. But as you go about this week, I want to leave you with these Last two verses one more time. 
Paul says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 